0: Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes. Thank you, Billy. Happy New Year, everyone. Ron Hayes with you with another edition of The Road to Rural Prosperity. This is our 15th episode in our series that started last fall, and today we are very pleased to have the Lieutenant Governor of the great state of Oklahoma, Matt Pinnell, joining us in just a few moments. Matt is the 17th Lieutenant Governor to serve the state, was elected a little over a year ago, a huge vote in favor of Lieutenant Governor Pinnell, carrying all 77 Oklahoma counties with over 60% of the vote. We'll be talking about his role as Lieutenant Governor and some of his hopes and dreams for the state here in just a few moments. Today's podcast being powered by the Public Service Company of Oklahoma, PSO, has served Oklahoma's electric energy needs since the company's incorporation in 1913. Over half a million customers in 232 cities and communities across 30,000 square miles of eastern and southwestern Oklahoma are served by PSO. We appreciate PSO helping us travel down the road to rural prosperity. And we'll be joined by Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell here in just a few moments.
1: PSO provides electricity service to more than half a million customers across Oklahoma. Increasing reliance on natural gas and renewable energy is our future. Cleaner, more affordable energy to power our lives. A strong Oklahoma economy boosted by new jobs, increased revenues for rural communities and schools. Together, our energy is boundless.
0: The Petroleum Alliance represents every segment of the oil and natural gas industry, speaking with one voice when advocating for the interest of its members, landowner partners, and employees. Our mission is to enhance Oklahoma's economy and every segment of the energy industry. Howdy neighbors, Ron Hayes with you today. We are on the road to rural prosperity. Here it is. We've arrived in 2020 and I'm very pleased to have as our first guest of the new year, our Lieutenant Governor for the great state of Oklahoma, Matt Pinnell. Lieutenant Governor, thank you for being here with us today. And uh, I, I know that uh, 2019 was a very eventful year for you, for sure.
1: Oh, it was. Well, and again, just an honor to uh, to join the, uh, the podcast.
0: Love what you guys are doing
1: and uh, looking forward to a very, very exciting 2020
0: now, let's talk about 2019, if we yeah. might, a little bit. I mean, obviously, uh, twenty. if you actually go back a little bit further to 2018, uh, you decided early on that you wanted to run for the lieutenant governor's uh, slot. Why? Yeah.
1: You know, I, it, it really spoke to me, the, the the position. You know, I wasn't looking to run for just anything. I mean, if there was a position that really mm. fit me and, and fit my background, uh, what I've been trained in, my personality, then, then I could get excited about it it. Uh, and that was this lieutenant governor position. The, the lieutenant governor in Oklahoma uh, is the sales and marketing director for the state. Uh, it's their job to crisscross really all 77 counties, um, hopefully on a yearly basis, uh, to really you know drive prosperity in 77 counties, tell the world why they should be spending money in Oklahoma when it comes from uh, with our tourism industry as well, which is really the front door to economic development. So I, I really saw this position uh as the sales and marketing uh role for a statewide elected official and i said hey well you know that's something that that i've uh done in my career uh I have a sales and marketing background uh worked inside politics for for certainly a number of years uh but the position really spoke to me and and uh i'm just blessed now to to have the authority over the things that i said i wanted to do on the campaign trail
0: now, let, let, you know, let's talk a little bit about this decision to run in the first place. Yeah, you said it was you kind of called to you, but uh, it, was this really your first uh, really campaign? I mean, you've been in politics.
1: Yeah, I've been in politics. was the, the state Republican Party chairman for a number of years and then worked nationally at the, for the Republican National Committee. Mm-hmm. But this was my first uh, political position, so jumped into the deep end. Uh, both both uh, Governor Stitt and myself both did, uh, running for governor and lieutenant governor. Uh, my wife and I run a small business now. We have for a few years. So really, that that uh, that business mindset and, and running a business uh, uh, like the governor did as well, we wanted to kind of bring some of those those business practices inside of state government. Uh, but but certainly, have a, a long political background too, of just kind of working in that sales and marketing side, but inside of politics for for really a couple decades. Right
0: now, you know, growing up, you were you li- lived in northeastern Oklahoma in the Tulsa I area.
1: I did. Yeah, I grew up in Tulsa. Um, loved growing up in, in the. Tulsa area, um, a green country. it, it is true. Uh, we are blessed with, uh, with lakes and wildlife and, and, uh, grew up in boy scouts. Uh, so, you know, again, kind of now having authority over our state park system and tourism, um, is certainly something that, that, uh, really a dream job in a lot of ways. Cause, uh, I love the outdoors. Uh, our family loves the outdoors and camping and, and hiking. Uh, and so again, being able to now do the things that I love, uh, just on a daily basis inside my job as lieutenant governor is a real thrill.
0: Now you mentioned Boy Scouts, uh, yeah, you know, what, what what do you think? Did that that kind of help you get ready as far as you know some of the the leadership type things that are that are part of our scouting? Yeah,
1: it's one of the best things I did growing up. I'm um, so glad my dad was was a Boy Scout and then um, uh, certainly got me involved. You know, all the the camping trips mm-hmm. and and uh, you know my grandfather loved fishing and so you know we kind of grew up grew up on of Fort Gibson uh, Lake fishing almost every weekend. Uh, you know you know so those things that that, that kind of my my father and grandfather kind of instilled in me um, there, there was there's no doubt some uh, a leadership you know sp- that people tell you that, that sports do do that why well, I'd mm-hmm. say you know Boy Scouts put right at the top of the list as well uh, loved my time doing it and uh, I've got two boys of my own now uh, that uh, I'm really itching to get them involved
0: <laughs> uh, now O.R.U., graduated from O.R.U., advertising, tell me about that. Yeah,
1: yeah, so O.R.U. grad, again, not necessarily was really the plan. I was really probably on my way to Oklahoma State. Uh, got into Oklahoma State, and much, you know, my buddies went to OU or OSU. It's kind of the mm-hmm. way it was. Yeah. Uh, but but ORU got a scholarship there. Uh, Dad said, "You better take this scholarship, or I'm going to kill you." Uh, and so I, I took <laughs> the advice. scholarship. Yeah, yeah, good advice. I took the scholarship, and uh, and really, again, loved my time. To, you know, it's one of the most diverse colleges in America. Uh, there's over 100 countries represented uh, mm. on, on the campus of ORU. Most people don't realize that. So, you know, most of my buddies now today live all over the world, uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, yes, it's a, a faith-based school, no doubt about it. But I was really, you know, I was sitting in uh, an advertising class with, you know, sp- people from England uh, or Africa. And, and so I got a a, a really... Uh, a world view, uh, from all of these students, uh, depending upon an economic whether depending upon what class I was in, economics class or, or advertising class, and um, really helped me, I, I think, uh, in, in my career
0: you know your your time at the uh, at the uh, state Republican Party. What what did you learn there?
1: You, you know, I was the youngest state party chairman in the country when hmm. I got elected. I was twenty nine, uh, and delegates from across the state, uh, from all seventy seven counties, you know, put uh, put their trust in in this kid. Talk about leadership. Developing some leadership skills, I, I certainly did there. You know, I think one of the things that certainly I learned, I wasn't going to come in as this young. You know, whippersnapper, so Mm -hmm. to speak, and not take the advice uh, from those that came before me. Uh, And so I brought in, you know, Steve Fair, uh, who has really become a mentor of mine um, uh, out in uh, Duncan, Oklahoma. Uh, became was the national committee man for for uh, a number of years as well kind of brought him in Mm -hmm. uh, and and a number of people that again have kind of helped blaze the trail Uh, i think that's something important for kind of younger generations to realize is that yes hey we want to bring new ideas in we want to have you know uh, outside the box thinking bring some you know fresh enthusiasm in but do not uh, make the mistake of not bringing in those that have helped blaze the trail. Uh, and, and that certainly was, was a mistake that I didn't make. And because of that, I think we were very successful, historically successful, in the four years that I was state chairman.
0: And, of course, uh, during that time, we, we got uh, the reputation of being the reddest state in the country.
1: We did. Uh, you know, b- b- how quickly we forget this was a Democrat state uh, just, you know, 10, 12 years ago, mm-hmm. a heavily Democrat registered state, always fairly conservative state. Uh, But uh, it all changed. And, uh, you know, both parties, uh, um, it's pretty polarizing now at a national level. I don't see that as much in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, But uh, certainly in the four years that we were there, uh, we held every federal elected position and every statewide elected position. First time, uh, all of those together, first time in state history.
0: Let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, as you as you ran uh, for lieutenant governor, you uh, you got out and you did a lot of grassroots campaigning. I know, you know, what what did you hear from Oklahomans that uh, you've taken with you into office after being sworn in this uh, start of 2019?
1: Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. I, I did. I campaigned in all 77 counties, very grassroots uh, driven campaign. And, and a lot of the people that I met in rural Oklahoma and in urban Oklahoma or a lot of the people I'm still leaning on today. You know, one of the things that I, I knew, but I, it really hit me when I started traveling around the state, When I'd, I, any town that I would go into, I'd meet with the local mayor. Uh, Because the local mayor, you know, they're the ones fixing, you know, helping fix Mm -hmm. the streets with those county commissioners, uh, you know, paying the bills. And I wanted to know from them, uh, you know, economically what was working and what wasn't working. Uh, And and we talked a lot about education, yes. We talked a lot about roads and bridges. But they wanted to talk about sales tax revenue. Uh, And I didn't realize, I don't think, how dependent the state of Oklahoma is and, and our cities are on sales tax revenue. We live or die on sales tax. Uh, Any towns, and particularly Mm -hmm. rural towns, uh, live or die on creating sales tax revenue. And and that is one of the things that I've kind of brought into my my role as lieutenant governor, is really focusing uh, on helping small towns create more sales tax revenue. The great news is I'm, as Secretary of Tourism now, uh, in my role as lieutenant governor, I, I can be involved in that on a daily basis. You know, helping these small towns create more tourism revenue, i.e. sales tax, it, it really can be a game changer, a true game changer uh, for rural Oklahoma. Uh, and that's certainly one of the things that I've brought into this, uh, in, into this role of talking to mayors from across the state of Oklahoma, rural and urban alike, uh, have, have really said, hey, you know, if, if there was a statewide champion uh, and, and they, again, believe that it should be the lieutenant governor that could help small towns, help them create more sales tax revenue uh, to, to fund police and fire and everything else that they have to fund at a local level, mm-hmm. it would be very helpful. Right. And, and that's something that we're doing.
0: I uh, I remember uh, I it was spring of eighteen or re- spring of seventeen. You were already out uh, working uh, quite a bit, and you made a stop at the Oklahoma Youth Expo. Yes, had a chance to visit with you at that point, and you were just kind of I think your eyes were pretty wide open there uh, with all the all the kids and all the animals. Uh,
1: it, one of the best events in the entire country. Uh, it, it is amazing uh, that Youth Expo, and and what great branding for our state too. Mm-hmm. Um, FFA and four H kids. Uh, I you know my line is always, hey, if you want to change the world, put your kid in 4-H or FFA. Uh, That will change the world. Those are the best kids that I've met, uh, really, across the state of Oklahoma um so well developed and and uh, well-rounded uh kids they look you in the eye they shake you in the hand uh, shake your hand uh, they know how to work with their hands for goodness sakes um, <laughs> which is something we need today uh, in, in this country with such a skills gap that we have but mm-hmm. just just wonderful kids um, again I I didn't grow up in 4-h or FFA again thankful that I was at, I was in Boy Scouts I got a little bit of that but the 4-h and FFA programs uh, are just amazing uh, and I was blown away again Again, one of the things certainly that I saw campaigning around the state uh, and, and I knew a lot of uh, uh, um, you know that industry, the ag industry from working inside of politics, uh, working in campaigns in rural Oklahoma. Uh, met a lot of farmers and ranchers and their families, uh, but certainly took it up an an additional notch uh, uh, running for office and have have stayed very close uh, with all of those organizations and continue to be a big supporter. And we'll do anything that I can to to make sure that uh, uh, we champion those those organizations, Mm -hmm. but also keep those kids in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, I don't want kids uh, that, that have uh, graduated from 4-H or FFA programs that then go on to, whether a career tech facility or a higher education facility, and then leave the state. That's what we can't afford to do right. anymore in the state.
0: Very, very valuable resource.
1: Very valuable resources. If we if we lose those kids, it's going to be very tough for us to build a top 10 state.
0: Right. We're on the road to rural prosperity today with Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell. We appreciate the Lieutenant Governor being along with us today as we start a brand new year here. Uh, 2020 is is upon us, and uh, we'll be back with more on the road to rural prosperity in just a few moments. For over 100 years, Public Service Company of Oklahoma has invested in the prosperity of rural Oklahoma. As PSO increases our reliance on natural gas and renewable energy like wind, we'll continue to create jobs and increase revenues for schools and rural communities across the state. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. We are back on the Road to Rural Prosperity. It is 2020, and Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell is our very first guest in our podcast series on the Road to Rural Prosperity lieutenant governor thank you for being with us today and uh, we've spent a little bit about kind of doubt, uh, getting up to that point of uh, being elected all 77 counties voted for you I what it was over 60 percent right yeah yeah, yeah. so w- with all that in mind you got sworn in and oh my goodness here's the job <laughs> right. what, what do you do now
1: well you, you know we got thrown in the deep end real quick uh, mm-hmm. the governor and i both you know we got sworn into office uh, in January, and mm-hmm. you go into session in February, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and uh, all the legislation that comes with it. Uh, we had a really good first legislative session. I think one of the reasons uh, is is you have a governor and lieutenant governor working together. Uh, today, I don't know if it would be unlike anything that we've seen in state government, but but it is very accurate that that mm-hmm. uh, you have a governor and lieutenant governor that like each other that really ran on a lot of the same platform, uh, prosperity in both rural and urban America, uh, and so I, I think that helped us because we were on the same song, singing off the same song sheet. The first legislative session, mm-hmm. uh, we're also sales guys, uh, and so we love selling, uh, which means you have to develop relationships. And we certainly reached out to people. I knew a lot of members, of course, since I helped a lot of them get elected. Uh, but the governor also did a very good job of reaching out to folks on both sides of the aisle to make sure they knew exactly where he stood on issues. Uh, and it helped us have a very pretty successful legislative session. Um, the other big development, certainly with, with my role as lieutenant governor, is, is I asked him to be on his cabinet. Uh, And he wanted me on his cabinet uh, so that I was sitting next to him every other week in cabinet meetings talking to him about uh, economic prosperity uh, and tourism. Uh, Mm -hmm. That that was kind of the role that I wanted was to be secretary of tourism. We added branding on the end of that because I'm in the middle of a uh, of rebranding the state of Oklahoma right now. Uh, And and so those are kind of the, the, the big focuses of my job, both on tourism, branding, as well as economic development, small business and entrepreneurship.
0: Now, you know, when it comes to tourism, you are the Secretary of Tourism, as you've mentioned. Uh, I know you've taken a special interest in agritourism. What, you know, what, what do you, what, what's your assessment of what we got yeah. and what, what's the potential?
1: You know, I always like to say any state's got to play to their strengths. Mm-hmm. If, you, if we're playing to our strengths and we're not trying to turn ourselves into something that we're not, then we're going to ultimately be successful long term. And agritourism is a clear strength in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. This is still an ag state. Uh, I still believe it. It is. Uh, And uh, a a big economic engine in the state uh, on on the ag side. Uh, And agritourism is one of the fastest growing cottage industries inside the tourism department as a whole across the country. Uh, More and more people want to know where their food is coming from. Uh, They want authentic tourism experiences. Uh, and, And we have that at any farm or ranch across the state. Uh, and, and so that's what I mean when I talk about agritourism. It, it could be having lunch with a with a pack of alpacas in Jay, Oklahoma, which uh, my family and I did uh, last year. Uh, it could be yes, a um, a, a a maze, a hay maze, you know, somewhere in western Oklahoma, which we have a lot of those around Halloween. Uh, and anything in between. Uh, It could be what they're doing in Luther, Oklahoma, the farm-to-table movement, uh, which is just extremely uh, popular right now. Good luck getting a restaurant at any farm-to-table restaurant, uh, a reservation at any farm-to-table restaurant. Um, uh, Farmers markets uh, are exploding across uh, the state of Oklahoma. Uh, Blaine Arthur and I Uh, Both spoke and will be speaking again in 2020 at the Farmers Market Convention, which they had to shut down registration uh, because it was uh, over 500 people. They couldn't even fit any more chairs into the Mm -hmm. convention center. So we're on to something if we highlight this agritourism industry. So. I am working uh, hand-in-glove with uh, our agricultural department, which the agritourism d- uh, department is, is housed over in the Department of Ag. Uh, really, for the first time and again, a very long time, you have the Department of Tourism and the Department of Ag working together on agritourism. Uh, the number one question... That is asked at any of our welcome centers, and, and you can go to any of them across the state. Millions of people visit our welcome centers every single day mm-hmm. uh, in Oklahoma, that are, and they're not from Oklahoma. I mean, this is a crossroads of America, so we have more people visiting our welcome centers than most states. The number one question asked, how do I get to the pioneer woman uh, in, <laughs> in Pawhuska? <laughs> <laughs> I, if we don't take advantage of mm-hmm. this agritourism industry, then uh, it's going to go to other states, and mm-hmm. and it could be again a real economic. A boom to small towns and, and rural prosperity is taking further advantage of an agritourism industry.
0: So uh, everything we can do to uh, to promote uh, Re and her her activities in Pawhuska is uh, obviously to our advantage.
1: It it absolutely is. And if you have not been to Pawhuska, Oklahoma, uh, Pawhuska, Oklahoma is not what it was in 1990. <laughs> uh, it is unbelievable what is happening up there. And yes, she has an international TV show. That certainly helps, right? Uh, but there's no reason that what what Re is doing in Pawhuska. There's no reason that can't be replicated uh, in, in Woodward uh, or Alva uh, or any other town uh, mm-hmm. uh, across the state of Oklahoma. I truly mean that. Um, it, it really does work. Uh, agritourism and, and in today in America, uh, and international tourists are looking for this too. They're looking for authentic American experiences. Uh, I like to say, if you want to see America, you have to see Oklahoma. There's, there's no other way to see America if you have not seen Oklahoma. You've got to see Oklahoma. And that agritourism industry is one of the things. There should be busloads of uh, uh, buses full of, of, of Eastern European countries and Japanese tourists. China tourists are now uh, flocking to America. We have to take advantage of that international market that want to see America. Mm-hmm. They will come to Oklahoma if we invite them. Right. Uh, and, and that's something that we're looking to do at, at the Department of Tourism.
0: I know, on the urban side, but also on the rural side is that there's uh, that iconic America's highway that goes right through our state. I know you're very, very big on the idea of capitalizing everywhere we can on Route 66. Uh,
1: you know, I really am. Uh, and again, it, it just playing to our strengths. Again, that, that theme of mine playing to our strengths. We have more drivable miles of the most famous road than any other state. Route 66, most famous road in America, and we've got more miles of it than any other state. So let's not make this harder than it has to be. Uh, Let's promote those 400 drivable miles uh, before... Uh, America was, was inauthentic. Uh, you had Route 66, the mother road, and uh, it, it's still very drivable. Uh, there's still great roadside attractions across it. Uh, and we're trying to really uh, revitalize uh, those roadside attractions and get more roadside attractions. Uh, and we just uh, had at the end of 2019 the first Uh, stakeholder convention for Route 66 stakeholders ever in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, We had every single community along Route 66 was there. Uh, and in many of these roads, many of the miles of roads are in western Oklahoma, a lot mm-hmm. of small towns uh, and Harold Wright uh, was there, uh, and a number of other uh, uh, rural legislators that are you know we're, were wanting and, and welcoming this idea of, of uh, really uh, going all in on route sixty six uh, there 's international tourists uh, every weekend that travel this road already in Oklahoma, uh, just organically, uh, Australian and, and Czech Republic and, and now Japanese tourists are coming. So let's take advantage of it, um, and, and let's make sure that we have better highway signage. Let's make sure that we're, we're putting uh, bigger marketing dollars behind it. Because if we do, uh, if we market this road with the Centennial, the Route 66 Centennial that's coming in about five years, uh, we will We will reap the benefits in sales tax revenue in small towns if we uh, further promote route sixty
0: six you 're talking about all these tour, tourists they 've all got a perception of Oklahoma and that gets us to that second part of your job description or title yes. branding what is i guess my question at first is what is the perception? of Oklahoma, what, what, what brand are they looking at right now?
1: You know, I, I said it's a rebrand. It's really not a rebrand. It's really a branding effort uh, because I really don't know what our current brand is uh, in Oklahoma, and I hope, uh, uh, you know, your listeners are not okay with Oklahoma is okay as our <laughs> slogan, uh, which which was for many, many decades. And,
0: and there's a commercial like that right now. There, there, <laughs> there, there is. <laughs>
1: and, and I just think that's <laughs> underwhelming. Uh, I, I know what they're kind of getting at, uh, you know, kind of playing to the Broadway Uh, of course, which is very popular, uh, but I, I, don't, I think Oklahoma is better than okay. Mm-hmm. And I think it is time for kind of a rebranding effort. So we got about 150 creative minds in the state of Oklahoma together in 2019, uh, to rebuild and to, to rebrand the state. And, uh, we, we broke them off in about nine different committees, uh, visual ID, verbal ID, PR advertising. And they were literally building this brand. And these were Oklahomans. This was a brand for Oklahoma built by Oklahomans. And they were giving their time to this, uh, volunteering their time, Mm -hmm. never been done before. And no, no state's really done it this way. Uh, And we are ready to launch and to kind of unveil the new brand. It's bigger than a logo. Uh, You know, a a brand is bigger than a logo. It's bigger than a slogan. You will see that. But really it's the the narrative behind what Oklahoma is, Um, that this is, uh, there's a lot that goes into it, but uh, a number of things continue to come up that, you know, our, our people, uh, and that this really kind of the, the, the hub of America here, uh, crossroads of America. We know those things, but it's kind of packaging that up and selling it mm-hmm. uh, to the world uh, that you can still realize your dream. The American dream still still lives in, in, in Oklahoma. Uh, imagine that yeah. <laughs> that you can still uh, you know buy a house before you're 30, uh, 15, 20 minute commutes. People are nice here. Uh, you know, we, yes, we, we, uh, um, uh, we want you to realize your American dream in Oklahoma, uh, and it, and it's real. And, and those are things that we've got to tell the world about. Um, yes, if you want to still see a Buffalo, we can show you that too. Um, uh, and occasionally we have a tornado or two here too, but, but I don't think we should lead with that. Uh, or lead with Oklahoma is okay. And, mm-hmm. and so you will see a, a, a fresh, uh, more modern brand uh, and uniform branding through all of our government agencies, which is so critical because right now, you know, we have 30 or 40 different logos uh, on our uh, on our different uh, websites. Most, a lot of people don't even realize they're on an official government website uh, because there's no uniform branding across uh, our government websites. So those are little things that we're going to fix too. You'll see new Welcome to Oklahoma signage uh, and eventually, in the years to come, hopefully a new license plate, uh, because I'd like to get the Twitter bird off our license plate. <laughs> uh, I, I know it's not a Twitter I, bird, but that's what it looks have like. You and quite
0: a few others listening to us today as well. So. And,
1: and, again, this is the crossroads mm-hmm. of America, yeah. so more people see those things here. This mm-hmm. isn't Maine. You know, the, the more people see our signage and our license plate than most any other state, because this is the crossroads of America. So I think it's really important that our first impressions are better Than other states,
0: right? So timeline on that.
1: Uh, It you'll be there'll be many things. Kind of first quarter, you'll see new website. Uh, you'll see a few new welcome signs in the first quarter. Second quarter, uh, you'll see new kind of where the Red Rose um, uh, markers are uh, right now. Some people refer to them as the Red Rose tombstones, which certainly I don't like that branding either. Uh, we'll, can, those will be freshened up and, and updated. Uh, we're hoping to uh, renovate our welcome centers uh, in 2020. That may be the, the kind of towards the end of 2020. Uh, so those are things. License plate will not be 2020. That's probably be more in the 2021 to 2020. 22 because usually it's every five years is when you change those and we just changed them a couple of years ago
0: mm-hmm. so uh, you know it sounds like you've got some ideas out there that that may be a part of the uh, of the announcement what you said in february perhaps.
1: yeah yeah there will be you know some things that we'll be able to turn on kind of in february uh, february and into march that's mm-hmm. right um and uh you know, I, I, um, I had the Farm Bureau and the Cattlemen's Association at one of my uh, focus groups that mm-hmm. I did uh, with uh, uh, when I showed that this brand. So we're making sure that uh, rural and urban voices have been heard uh, when it comes to this rebrand.
0: So 2019 behind us now, uh, as you look out into the new year. What, what what do you feel that, that you know? What, what do you feel best or good good about, or maybe best about from 2019, uh, and what what's your biggest hope in 2020?
1: You know, I think it was great to see the response from uh, cities uh, to to our platform. Of, of really championing tourism, which is the third largest industry in our state, can be a real economic driver in the state, again, if we put further marketing dollars behind it. So that was really good to, to get positive reinforcement on that. Uh, moving into 2020, mm-hmm. uh, to have a new marketing effort, uh, new trail systems, you know, the Oklahoma Fishing Trail that we launched. We're getting a 55 to 1 ROI on that. So for every dollar I'm spending, I'm getting $55 back. Wow. Uh, people love to fish and hunt in America, Uh, And they should be doing it in Oklahoma. Uh, And we'll be further pushing that into 2020. I'd say one of the areas that that we're really looking forward to even getting more into the foxholes in is really working with small towns when it comes to Main Street revitalization efforts. Mm -hmm. Uh, When it comes to tourism, again, as I said, authentic experiences. Uh, Tourists want to find a small town somewhere with a cute boutique hotel lined with American flags where they can turn their phone off for three days. We've got that. In, in rural Oklahoma, all across the state of Oklahoma, in rural parts of the state. So I'm working with the Department of Commerce and our Main Street program to make sure that those rural towns have the resources that they need to revitalize their Main Streets. Uh, we do not need uh, – we, we cannot afford to allow those Main Streets to to get further and further into disrepair because that means it's harder and harder for towns to support revitalizing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that will be a big part uh, of of my uh, office uh, into 2020 and into 2021 is really making sure that we're highlighting uh, small towns in rural Oklahoma and helping revitalize those towns through our Department of Commerce.
0: One, one, one last question. It comes back to agritourism. You, you mentioned the fishing trail. Uh, obviously, hunting is a big part of the Oklahoma landscape as well. We've seen our for our friends in Texas, for example, they do a lot of lease hunting. They, that's a pretty big revenue for for that state for a lot of rural areas. Can is Oklahoma got the uh, potential to, to grow that?
1: We do, and and I you know I give J D Strong over at the Wildlife Department a lot of uh, kudos here. I mean they've uh, you know our our deer population is is uh, po- is very popular again. Getting a whole lot more hunters coming to Oklahoma deer hunting again. Uh, obviously the the fishing has been world class for decades, we're now starting to talk more and more about it. Uh, we're talking about putting a quail trail in. Uh, that's kind of uh, first, you heard it here first on this podcast, <laughs> J.D. Strong and I are talking about, you know, you, Arkansas really went all in on duck, right? We really want to go on, all, all in on quail and kind of bring back the habitat again in Oklahoma. Western Oklahoma would really feel um, uh, the benefit of this. Uh, but kind of renaming the Great Plains Trail, the quail trail. Uh, and so that's something into 2020 that I'm going to be working, uh, in partnership with the wildlife department. We worked in partnership, uh, with the wildlife department on the fishing trail as well. Uh, we want to do that with a quail trail moving into 2020. So yes, we, we want to make sure that that fishing and, and, uh, fishing and hunting, uh, and outdoors recreation, RV sales are are at a all time high in this country. Uh, so we want to put more RV slots in our state parks those are things that are growing uh unlike you know f- uh, golf industry in america today which is really hurting uh outdoor recreation is growing mm-hmm. uh, and i want to make oklahoma really a hotbed for outdoor recreation uh in the in the decades to come
0: couldn't uh, couldn't wrap up without at least asking one question regarding uh governor stitt's favorite favorite phrase top 10 yes how how does this all play into making Oklahoma truly top ten?
1: Yeah, you know, one of the things, when it, we, it's very t- difficult for us to be a top ten state in any industry if we're not thriving economically. So we, bring, we, we want to create more jobs in the state of Oklahoma, more mm-hmm. private sector jobs. If we're doing that in rural Oklahoma, that means someone's buying a house. And if you're buying a house, you're paying property taxes. And if you're paying property taxes, then you're supporting your local public school in a rural town. Uh, and, and so connecting those dots and making sure legislators stay focused on the big thing, the big keeping the big thing the big thing, and that's private sector jobs in rural Oklahoma and in urban Oklahoma, but particularly when it comes to rural prosperity is creating private sector jobs. And, and for us to be a top 10 state, that's going to have to be the focus, and it will be from Governor Stitt and myself.
0: Rural prosperity sounds good to me, for sure. Absolutely. Putting Alrighty. on a t-shirt. Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell with us today on the Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes. See you soon. Thanks for joining us for today's Road to Rural Prosperity podcast. You can join the conversation about how rural Oklahoma can prosper by looking for us on Facebook. And you can find our growing number of conversations on our website, RuralProsperityOK.com. The Road to Rural Prosperity podcast series is a production of the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and oklahomafarmreport.com. Proud to be a part of the family of the funk companies.